this week on Hope for the Broken. Church is about carrying out the mission that God has given his bride, the church. And listen, this is not my church. It's Jesus' church. And Jesus' church must be about Jesus' business. We are called to be witnesses in our community, in our area, in our state, in our nation, and around the globe. This is the mission and the vision that God has given us. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. It's Vision Sunday this week at Trinity as we are reminded of the vision the Lord has given us. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with his message entitled, Hope is Here. Today is a little bit different of a day. Today is what we call Vision Sunday. A couple of times a year, we like to set aside a Sunday where we can focus in on or refocus in on the vision of our church. And so today, I want to talk about where we've been and where we are going as a church. And my prayer is is that this would be unifying for us, that we would lay out a foundation by which we do the things that we do in order to understand why they are important and the the motive, the vision behind the things that we do. Now, if you've been a part of Trinity for any length of time, uh, hopefully you have come to understand that it is our heart's desire as the leadership of this church to be a church that models the New Testament church. I can find no better example than how to do church than to look at the very first church that got started. It was imperfect, and it was a mess. Oh, but it did some amazing things. And we today, we are imperfect, and your pastor is a mess, but we can do incredible things if we will unite together. You know, when you take a look at the 21st century and stack that up against the first century world, there's not a lot of differences. And the the early church was extremely effective in a culture that looks a lot like ours today. And so my thought is, uh, I'm not not terribly creative, but my thought is, let's do what the early church did, and I think that we'll do something incredible and see God stir and move in in our lives today. And so that's what I want to do. I want to talk about where where we've been, where we're going, but I want to do so in the context of what the early church looks like and what Jesus uh, told us to do. Now, before we jump into that, I'm curious, any of you uh, in here have a favorite movie series that you guys like to follow? Anybody big on a particular movie series? Okay, what about Star Wars fans? Any Star Wars fans in the room? Okay, there you go. Uh, What about Avengers fans? Any Avengers fans? Still some of the same. Uh, What about Lord of the Rings? Any Lord of the Rings fans? Okay, very good. My favorite movie series is the Bourne movie series, right? Okay, all right, so there's some saved people in here, right? And uh, and what, the thing that I love about the Born series is, you know, you have the Born Identity, you have the Born Supremacy, the Born Ultimatum, and then the Born Legacy. But at the end of every movie, you're left on the edge of your seat going, what in the world is this guy going to do next? I mean, Jason Bourne is one bad dude, and I want to find out what is going to happen next. Well, in the movie world, when they create that sense within those that watch the movie, it's called a cliffhanger. They they leave you on the edge of your seat. It's a cliffhanger. Well, in a lot of ways, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, is a cliffhanger. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been buried. Jesus has risen from the grave. Jesus is going to spend, as we're going to see, 40 days with his disciples giving some instructions, and then he's leaving. And the disciples are left to say, what happens next? And what happens next is not only incredible, but it continues. And what I hope and pray that we're going to see at the end of today is that we, you and me, we are a part of what was happening and is happening next. And God desires to use us in a profound way. So, Let's begin reading Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Let's work our way through verse 8 this morning. 
It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Just a little bit of background here. Uh, This book, the book of Acts, was written by Luke. Luke was a physician. This is Dr. Luke writing. And he makes mention in the first book. Well, what is his first book? It's the Gospel of Luke. And we know that it's tied because of Luke chapter 1, verse 3, which ties this to Theophilus, okay? And so Luke is writing both of these. In the first one, he began in the Gospel. He talked about all Jesus did and was doing. And it ends with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and a little bit about Jesus' post-resurrection ministry. But then Acts chapter 1 picks up from that point and begins to chrono, uh, record the history of the early church. That's, that's Acts. Now there's this 40-day gap between Jesus' uh, resurrection and his ascension when he goes into heaven. And that's verses 2 through 5 of Acts chapter 1. So let's read that. It says, until the day he was taken up, in other words, that's the day of Jesus' ascension, after Jesus had given commands. Now that's important. If you like to write or highlight or circle in your Bible, underline, highlight that phrase. After he had given commands. It's important. Through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering. His suffering is his crucifixion and his burial by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. There's the 40 days. And in those 40 days, he was speaking about the kingdom of God. Now that's important too. Speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So at this point, Jesus' earthly ministry is done. He was crucified. He was buried. He was resurrected. He spent 40 days with his disciples, giving them instructions, and then he ascended into heaven. Now here's the truth. While Jesus' earthly ministry is done, signed, sealed, delivered, completed, His total ministry is not done. Jesus ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus is very involved in the work continuing. And so while Jesus' earthly work was done, his total total work was not yet done. And his work will be done until he returns again. There is a day in which Jesus is coming back. And until that day, we are to be busy about carrying out the commands that he has given to us. Acts is what Jesus started, it's what he empowered, and it's what he continues to do. Let's continue, verse 6. So when they had come together, they, meaning his disciples, asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples were asking a question Wondering if the outpouring of God's Spirit was a fulfillment of Ezekiel 29. Like, are you fixing to take the throne, Jesus? Are you fixing to conquer in political power and set up this incredible nation again? Are you going to restore Israel? Now, the word restore is vitally important. Because the disciples, what that tells us is the disciples knew and understand that there was something about the world that wasn't the way God originally designed it. They understood that the world was broken. It is not the same. It does not reflect God's good and perfect design. It doesn't function the way God intended it to function. It was, it was broken. And, and they knew that God was going to restore the brokenness of the world. But they believed in the restoration like most Jews did, that the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus, was going to establish a political regime that was going to last forever. But Jesus redirects his disciples. He says, no, this is not about politics. This is on a whole nother level. This is a spiritual level of restoration. And he lays out how God was going to restore the brokenness that they were experiencing. Look at what Jesus says in verse 7. Jesus replies, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, restoration is going to happen and what you think is going to happen is eventually going to happen but not yet there's something different the holy spirit is going to come and when the holy spirit comes he's going to birth the church and the church is going to be a movement that the world has not seen since 
and he's going to empower his church. And so that's what Jesus is doing. And the way he transitions their thinking in this regard is in a command, in giving the church a mission. Look at what Jesus says in beginning verse 8. The first word is but. It's a transition word. In other words, it's not the way you're thinking, but it is this way. Now look at the second word of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you. Now Jesus is talking to his apostles, talking to the disciples, and he's literally meaning them. But we have to know and understand that the same kingdom that God gave Jesus, that Jesus then entrusted to these disciples that are now apostles, that these apostles entrusted to us today. So while we read this phrase, yes, we think of the disciples, but more importantly, you got to see this phrase. We have to see this phrase as being directed to us. This command is a command given directly from God through Jesus to us. It's extremely important. So when you see the word you, I want you to replace that word you with your name. To personalize this, to understand the gravity of this. And here's what I want us to see, okay? We have to see that the mission of God involves you and me. The mission that God started there involves us today. So when you read, replace your name. Let's read it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you, Chris, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Here's the truth. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been empowered by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 teaches us at the moment of our salvation, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within our soul, and he then empowers us. Here's my question. Why would God empower us? And we learn in Ephesians chapter 1 that, that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a, is a sign, it's a seal of our salvation, it's a, it's a testimony of the certainty of our salvation. But you wouldn't need power. You wouldn't need to be empowered to have a seal of that. No, here's what I want us to see. The empowerment is to empower us to carry out a specific task. God's Holy Spirit dwells within us, empowers us for a very specific reason. What is that reason? Let's read verse 8 again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what reason? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Listen, God has placed two callings upon our lives. The first calling God has placed upon our life is calling us unto himself. That's called salvation. God has rescued you. He's called you unto himself. He has therefore saved you. But the second calling that God has called us to is to be a part of his plan. You are saved, but you are saved for a purpose. You are saved to be witnesses in our community, witnesses in our area, witnesses in our nation, and witnesses around the world. And beloved, this is what church is all about. Church is not confined to our meetings together. Church is about carrying out the mission that God has given his bride, the church. And listen, this is not my church. Trinity Baptist Church is not my church. It's Jesus' church. And Jesus' church must be about Jesus' business. And so therefore, we must realize that we are called, as Trinity Baptist Church, we are called to be witnesses in our community, in our area, in our state, in our nation, and around the globe. This is the mission and the vision that God has given us. A church is to be modeled after the New Testament church. It must first realize and accept its mission. In order to accept its mission, it will then be burdened with the vision. And in order to see the vision carried out, it will then strategize to accomplish the mission and vision. Good organizations whether they are businesses or nonprofits or anything like that. Good organizations know their mission. They have a vision, and they run hard after it. 
That's what makes a good organization. The greatest organization the world has ever seen is the church. And so therefore, Jesus gave us a mission. God has given us a vision. And we have developed a strategy to overcome or to accomplish that vision. Mission is, plays a specific role. Mission tells an organization what it must do. Vision is different than mission. Vision tells an organization how it does what it must do. And strategy are the feet to accomplishing the vision. Does this make sense? Y'all following me? Mission, what we must do. Vision, how we're going to do it. Strategy, how we're going to do the vision, right? That is mission, vision, strategy. Our mission, what we must do, is the same mission God has given every single Bible-believing, Christ-exalting church. That mission is not something we have to make up. We don't have to create it. It's already been given to us. In fact, Jesus repeats himself with the mission. The first mentioning of the mission of the church is the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Doesn't that sound a lot like Acts chapter 1, verse 8? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In the Great Commission, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is repeating himself. Um, That's because he wants with absolute clarity for us to know and understand what he wants us to do. Now, in my relationship with Kathy, I don't always pick up what she's laying down. Any other husbands relate to me on this, right? She wants me to do something. She hasn't told me what she wants me to do, but I should know because of the way she's uh, uh, thinking, right? This is the way marriage works. Anybody else identify with me on that? Okay. And it's hard to figure it out because I, I have two brain cells and she has to tell me, you need to do this. Okay, yes, all right. Jesus wants no room for error. So he repeats himself. I want you to make disciples. I want you to be my witnesses and make disciples of all nations. This, my friends, is the mission. It's what we must do. If we're going to be a New Testament church, if we're going to be a church that that seeks to have Jesus as its leader, we must seek to do our mission and we must make disciples. It's what we must do. And, And let me just tell you something. What motivates us to accomplish this mission? Two things motivate us to accomplish this mission. The fact that heaven is real motivates us, but the fact that hell is real ought to motivate us. Heaven is real. And those who have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ have their citizenship there. That's their home. That's where they're going to spend all of eternity. But, beloved... There are people in our community, in our workplaces, our neighbors, friends that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus and their eternity at this moment is in hell. And therefore, if you need motivation to accomplish the mission, it's because heaven is real, but it's also because hell is real. And it drives everything that we do. That's mission. Now, vision differs from mission in that it tells us how we're going to do that. At Trinity, we have a vision statement. This is something that fires me up. I love the vision of Trinity Baptist Church. We have wrapped it up into a 10 or 11 word statement. One that we memorize. Occasionally, I'll drill the staff. What is our vision? Right? Because it's got to be our heartbeat. Our vision is this. Now let's, let's imagine something for just a moment, okay? Let's imagine we're in the locker room. We're getting ready to go kick off for a football game, right? Getting ready to take the field. The coach has assembled us in the locker room, and he's given us uh, the plan, and, and we're trying to get fired up to go know what that plan is. That's what a vision statement is, okay? So let's picture ourselves there. 
Here's our vision statement at Trinity Baptist Church. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. We exist. The whole reason we exist is to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. Here's what I want us to do. This is what I'm asking you to commit to memory. It's what I'm asking you to allow to become the heartbeat uh, as you join and lock arms with this church as that is our very heartbeat. I want us to say that together out loud. Can we do that? Remember, we're in a locker room. We're fixing to go out to the, to the field, right? Let's feel it. All right, here we go. Are you ready? We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. Who's ready? I'm ready. That's awesome. Now, here's the thing I want you to notice about this vision statement. There's two parts to it. In fact, I think every vision statement ought to have two parts to it. The part one is what we must become, what we have to work hard at doing. The second part of it is what we believe will happen when we do that. Okay? The first part, we must do the hard work of becoming a gospel-centered community. What is a gospel-centered community? It is a group of believers that have assembled together proclaiming the word of God as absolute truth and building our lives, building our church, and building our ministries upon the word of God. Amen? That's what we must work hard to become. And we believe that when we become that gospel-centered community, we're going to start seeing the areas of brokenness in our city and the brokenness in our area be redeemed. And the way that they're going to be redeemed is by the offering of hope. And listen, I'm here to tell you hope has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to be on this mission to be a witness for him so that all may know the hope that is found in Christ. That's what we believe we will see when we do the hard work of becoming that. So we've determined our mission. We've talked about our vision. Now the question is, how does specifically we do that? That's where strategy comes in to play. It's not enough, beloved. It is not enough to have a mission statement and a vision statement. And so many churches get caught up there. They create this vision statement, and that's where it ends. It can't end there. We have to see it come to fruition. We have to work hard in order to see this happen in our community, in order to see hope restored in people's lives. We have to be about our Father's business. That is my heart's desire. And so we've developed a threefold strategy in order to become a gospel-centered community. Every one of these strategies starts with the letter T because we're Trinity. That's what makes us Trinity. And there's three of them because we're Trinity. And that's what makes us Trinity, right? This is our creativeness, okay? So please excuse it. What is the strategy? Threefold. Number one, trusting Jesus through worship. Transforming lives and community. And telling others by living on mission. Trusting transforming and telling that is how we're going to accomplish our vision so in the time that we have left what i want to do is i want to take each of those components i want to briefly define what those components are what those strategy points are and then i want to talk about where we have been in each of those and where we are going in each of those okay so first trusting jesus through worship We've talked about this. Even this summer, we talked about what worship is. And we've talked about how worship is much more than a worship service. And worship is twofold. It is both private and it is corporate. But I want to talk a little bit about what corporate worship is. Corporate worship is when we gather together in this room. And we do so to make much of Jesus. It is our prayer that every Sunday that Jesus be the hero of Trinity Baptist Church. He is Lord, he is King, and he is to be the hero. And we express our trust in him as the Lord and Savior of our lives through our worship, and we do that corporately. It's when we come alongside one another, 
And we have worship that is all about Jesus, but we do it together. And we do it enthusiastically together. And here's what we must continue to do. We must continue to make corporate worship a priority in our lives. But here, beloved, where I want to challenge you, when we step into this room, there is no one that is a spectator. We are all participants. And we sing loudly and we enthusiastically worship and we worship in a way that expresses our gratitude and our love and our heart for King Jesus. And we do that together. And when we do that together, we encourage one another. And it is my prayer that the corporate worship environments that we have on Sunday mornings, our worship gatherings, it it, it inspires you in your private worship with Jesus throughout the week. So we must be committed to coming alongside each other. Why is it important to do that? Why is it important to worship wholeheartedly? Well, because of Psalm 22.3, which says that God inhabits the praises of his people. When God's people gather together and enthusiastically make much of him, you know what happens? He makes his presence known. And do you know what you and I need far more than anything else? We need God's presence. Our community needs God's presence. Oh, we need God in a bad way. And when we gather together, he makes his presence known. And we have continued to grow in our worship attendance. This is where we've been. This summer, we are averaging 421 in worship services. That's incredible. That's the summer, right? We're now entering into the fall when everybody's returning back to regular schedules, and we can anticipate that worship will continue to skyrocket. Now, here's here's where I need your help. Here's where we as a church need your help. We have uh, plenty of space in our 930 worship service, and as you can see in here, it's getting pretty tight in here. And a lot, a lot of times guests, new people to the church, they'll come to the later service, right? Because everybody likes to sleep in, right? And so they'll come to this service. And so here's my ask of you. As your Sunday morning schedule allows, would you go to the 930 worship service? So we seek to make room for increasing numbers of people that, that they could come and experience and have a seat. We also, the, where we've been, we've also continued to invest in our online worship experiences. And I want you to know the impact that, that we have had. In 2022, we have actually seen a decrease in online worship experience, uh, attendance. I actually think that's a good thing. I think we have finally come to a place where COVID doesn't exist, right? And I know it does exist, but, but we're no longer fearful of it. And so we've come back to church. That's a great thing. Right? And we should, we should continue to see that. But here's what I want you to see. Even though the number of participants are decreasing online, the impact globally is increasing like you wouldn't believe. I know I've mentioned before that we have a church in Pakistan. I've mentioned Pastor Paul Rashid. Uh, pastors a, a congregation in Pakistan. He has three different congregations in three different villages, each of about 20 people. And they tune in every Sunday. Right now it's Sunday night. This is their Sunday night service. Hello, Pastor Rashid. We're so glad that you've joined us. Right? But did you also know that Bianca, who from Germany, we baptized earlier this year. You guys got to meet her. She faithfully tunes in from Germany. I joke with her. I was like, you're our Germany campus, right? And, and we only have one person in attendance, but it's amazing, right? And so she's watching from Germany. But we have recently been contacted that there is another church that joins us regularly from Kenya. And here's what I want you to know. I don't just say that because people who are reaching in. These are, these are actual people that I have met over Zoom. And I've been able to encourage Pastor Rashid. And I've been able to encourage these pastors all over the globe. And we're desiring to work with them on how we can resource them to be able to do the ministry. Just want you to know the impact of your online worship experience. Isn't that incredible? We will always contend that it is far better to be present than it is to be online. 
But if we can help encourage pastors and, and, and Christians and brothers and sisters all over the globe online, let's keep doing it. And so we're committed to, to continuing to further our online experiences. We have also accomplished several other things this year regarding the strategy of trusting Jesus through worship. Our kids' ministry has developed a ministry called Faith Finders. This is fourth, fifth, and sixth graders that lead their peers in worship. They dance. I know you're not supposed to dance in a Baptist church, but they do it, right? And it's fun. And they raise their hands. There's some that sing solos. They're leading their peers in worship. Our student ministry has created a student ministry band that will now on a fairly regular basis begin to lead their peers in worship. This is expanding trusting Jesus through worship. Our preschoolers, you want to be in the best worship service in the house, go to the preschool ministry. To watch those little kids, this fires me up. Watch the little kids hear and learn that there is a God that loves them and all they want to do is lift their hands to him. Man, I'll bless your heart. And that is happening all over this campus. And we're continuing to further initiatives in the area of trusting Jesus through worship. Another way we have worked to fuel your private worship is by revamping our church library and resource center. Did you know that we have a church library and resource center? It's located down the hall on the way to the kids ministry area. And let me tell you what we've done with it, okay? There used to be a lot of like, cookbooks in there now i like food but that doesn't really help me spiritually <laughs> and so we've revamped it we've refocused the church library it's not just cookbooks these are discipleship books that are geared to help you grow theologically help you grow in your understanding of your own faith they're devotionals they're very focused in that area there's even a section if you're interested called pastor's picks there, there are five things that i'm currently reading through and so if you want to join me in reading, go to see Pastor's Picks and check out those books. But that's to help you on your private worship. Moreover, our technology team of volunteers, which does a phenomenal job, is exploring further development of our church's presence on the YouVersion Bible app. How many of you have the YouVersion Bible app? You can now find our church on YouVersion. And what they're working to expand is to create devotionals that will go along with what we're teaching and what we're preaching. You can follow sermon notes there. You can explore more about the sermon and what we're teaching on, on Sundays. They're working to expand this. And so look forward to that rolling out later this year. I'm really excited about yet another tool to help you in your private worship. I'm also excited about the preaching plan for this fall. Next Sunday... We're going to be kicking off a series of sermons entitled Real Questions, Biblical Answers. And during the month of July, we fielded questions from you, from this church family. Great questions. And, and my goal is to answer those questions over the course of that nine-week series. And so I'm really fired up about that. And we're going to address things like, how do I know God's will for my life? What do I do with the doubts that I'm having about my faith? Why is it important to pray if God already knows what you're going to ask before you ask it? Why do I still struggle with my sin? These are questions that you guys have, great questions, and there are biblical answers to each of these. In fact, the Sunday that I will be in Honduras with our, with our missions team, you are in for a treat. My friend, author, and professor, Dr. Travis Dickinson, will be teaching and he has a blog called the benefit of the doubt where he explores ways that we can navigate our doubts he's coming to preach on that subject you'll want to be here that's august the 28th you'll want to be here and i'm so jealous i'm tuning in from honduras it's going to be good i'm just telling you this fall is going to be awesome i'm exploring a, a sermon series between that series and christmas where we're going to talk about what's in a breath you know you think about god breathed the life into creation you talk about how god's word is god breathed what does all that mean right and so we're going to do that then we're going to celebrate christmas it's going to be awesome have christmas eve service or services right we're still working to find that out and then in the fall we're going to do a biblical book study go verse by verse and i'm exploring and i'm praying about which book but i'm thinking first samuel as we understand what it means to navigate uh, and hear clearly from from the lord and be godly examples. 
This is all trusting Jesus through worship, okay? Got to move quickly. Number two, transforming lives and community. Simply put, God wired us for relationships. You were not wired to do life alone. And God desires his church to build relationships that in turn challenge us in our faith journey. That's called discipleship. I want you to hear me say something. The largest discipleship arm of our church is our adult Bible study groups. That's how we do discipleship, okay? If you are not connected in a group, you need to be. You need to be connected in a group. We, have, we believe so strongly in this. I, I believe so strongly in the fact that you need to be in a group that today we've made it as easy as possible for you to get connected in a group. On your way in, you had a sheet there sitting in your seat. It is a list of every group that kicks off this fall. And it's got a little descriptor about what they talk about. It's got a little descriptor about the general age or target of that group. And if you are not involved in a group, today is the day for you to get connected. Further, Pastor Jeff has set up a table in, in the fellowship area. And he wants to visit with you if you have questions. Which group might be a good fit for me? He wants to help you get connected today. All right? And then also you could check our website. But the point is, is that you need to be involved in a group. As we continue to grow larger as a church, we must work harder at growing smaller in groups. When you are in a group, it's when you are known, when you are loved, and when you are cared for. And so it's vitally important to get connected in a group. And I know and understand the thought of trying out a group can be daunting. Right? Will I fit in? Are, are they already have tight relationships? Or more importantly, this question, are they going to ask me to pray out loud? Right? All of those things are fears, right? Listen, you don't have to pray out loud. But I want you to know something. We have worked hard to create an environment where this is a friendly place and all are welcomed. We've worked hard to create that environment. And listen, this is a place where it is okay to not be okay. And you need the help of other people when you're not okay. And you sometimes need to lean on their faith. It's extremely important. One of the successes this year, speaking of creating an environment of friendliness, is the development of our host team ministry. They they wear the badges around their neck, right? They've created this environment of, hey, if you are a guest, we want you to know we're thrilled that you're here and we want to help you get further connected. And whenever I follow up with guests, the thing I hear time and time and time again is your church is so friendly. Well, listen, that doesn't happen by accident. It's because we're intentional about it. We want this to be the friendliest place on the planet to hear a message that will change your life. And so we've, we've developed that. Teenagers greet you as you turn in the parking lot with cool signs. It's intentional. We want you to know that you're loved. We also had a family fun night a few weeks ago. That was a blast. We got to eat free snow cones. You got to allow your pastor to dominate at cornhole, right? And we're planning on doing that again this fall, but let me, let me just tell you something. It's not by accident to do that. We're intentionally doing that, and we're committed to doing more of that. Why? Because we want to create an environment where you get to know one another. Because it eliminates a barrier of getting connected in a group. When we have fun together, when we get to know one another, then we want to do life together. And that's extremely important. Did you know we're launching new groups all the time? The reason why we create new groups all the time is to create new touch points, additional touch points to to connect people together. I'm really excited about the launch of a young singles group this fall. That's happening after Labor Day. Uh, We also have groups for engaged and newlyweds, parents of preschoolers, parents of elementary kids, parents of teenagers, single moms, men's and women's groups, and even multi-generational groups. My point is, is that there is a group for you, and today you need to get connected. We're going to continue to highlight groups and talk about their importance and challenge you. Next month, we are kicking off a campaign uh, where we are going to get you connected to a group. You're going to begin to see and hear testimonies on Sunday mornings. We're going to make a social media push in order to 
draw people into groups. Why? Because it's important. It's that important. You will never grow the way God has intended you to grow by yourself. You and I need a group. We're also in the process of revamping our new member workshop class. I understand that when we say come to new member workshop, there's questions. Was that for new members? Is that how I become a member? What if I don't want to become a member? You know, am I required to become a member? And so we're going to revamp it. We're going to change the name of it. It's now going to be called Starting Point. Why? Because if you want to get connected at Trinity Baptist Church, that is your starting point. Right? And so we're, we're revamping that. We're, we're rolling that out. By the way, if you're a guest with us, you'd like to start at Starting Point. The very first starting point is going to be August the 24th. Uh, Wednesday night at 6 p.m. We'll feed you Chick-fil-A. How about that, right? Pastor Jeff needs to order more Chick-fil-A now, all right? Be great. So we've talked about trusting Jesus through worship, transforming lives through community. The third strategy point is telling others by living on mission. We have to be about telling the gospel. We have to be a people that lives on mission. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. And Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. God has invited you, and God has invited me to be a part of his redemptive story. But he puts the responsibility of getting in the game upon each of us. It's our responsibility to get in the game. There are three ways you can be a part of this in our church, on the campus, in the city, and around the world. You and I get involved in telling other people by living on mission on the campus by serving in a ministry. I want you to hear the value of volunteers at Trinity. We cannot do the ministry we do without the volunteers that serve in those ministries. Simply put, we cannot tell preschoolers how much God loves them unless we have a volunteer willing to say that. We cannot point boys and girls to Jesus unless we have a volunteer that's willing to sit down and lead them to Jesus. The thing that teenagers are craving the most is an adult that will love them, accept them, come alongside them, challenge them, and help them through this crazy world. And we must be that kind of people. Our worship band, incredible worship team, all volunteers, And and so it's important for us to serve on the campus. We're committed to training our volunteers. We're committed to helping you feel like you are equipped to carry out your mission. In fact, tonight at 5.30 p.m. is one of three scheduled leadership trainings. So if you're looking to get plugged into a group or if you are are into a serving capacity or you are already serving in capacity, you need to be here at 5.30 We're going to put tools in your belt to make you a better volunteer for next Sunday. It's all so that we can tell others. We are also committed to having an impact in our city. Do you know the question that haunts me? It's a question that I hope haunts you. This is the question. If we were to close our doors, would our community notice? I want us to be, and I believe God wants us to be, a church that has such a profound impact on our community that if we were to announce that we're closing the doors, they would say, oh, but you can't. We need you. We need Trinity. And the way we create that is by mobilizing our people. In April, we began a partnership with the East Texas Food Bank in hosting their mobile pantry. Yesterday, Second Saturday of every month, we do this here on our campus. Yesterday, we gave food to over 430 families. It's a lot of people. When you multiply that by 4.3 or whatever the average household is, that's a profound impact. And we get to play a part in that. We get to serve people in that. Our church supports eight local ministry partners in our city. We have several groups that have adopted a local ministry partner and serve them on a monthly basis. That's having an impact in our community. And here's the deal. We need to grow in this. We need every group deployed. 
We need every person deployed. And so we are asking every adult Bible study group to identify a missions coordinator. Maybe you are your group's missions coordinator. And the purpose is to connect with a local ministry partner and to organize an opportunity for your group to serve them. Can you imagine the impact we can have on our community when our entire church is mobilized? Listen, when I'm looking out into this congregation, I see an army. I see a group of people that can change the world. Jesus started with 12. And there's 400 and something of you today. That's incredible. Imagine the impact that we can have. As of July, we onboarded a new ministry position, new to Trinity. Trinity has never had a missions and mobilization minister. But we do now. Brittany Burns, serving in that capacity. And what that position, I hope what that communicates to you is that it's not just lip service. We are willing to put financial and human resources behind mobilizing this church. It is mission critical. Because remember, heaven is real, but hell is real too. And we need to mobilize our church so that we fill heaven. Our preschoolers and kids have even gotten in the game. Preschoolers bring money and supplies on a quarterly basis, and they have blessed the socks off of Expectant Heart, which is a crisis pregnancy center here in our community. Our preschoolers, profound impact. Our kids' ministry, right now, they're donating flip-flops, and you know what they're gonna do with those flip-flops? We're gonna load them up in a suitcase, we're gonna take them with us to Honduras, and we're gonna give kids that don't have shoes, shoes. And our kids' ministry is doing that. Our kids having an impact all over the globe. At Fun Camp, our kids raised nearly $1,000 that in turn assisted Root Haven to do ministry to the homeless. That's kingdom impact. And we could do more. And I want to do more. Our missions team continues to meet and explore ministry initiatives. We're trying to identify additional partners, exploring ways that we can serve and foster and adoption ministries. Those meetings, those brainstorming sessions are going on right now. And so I'm excited later in the year to roll them out to you, how we can have a profound impact in those particular areas. So we talked about telling others on our campus and in our city, but also around the world, we are committed to providing both local and international mission trips. Listen, if you have never been on a mission trip internationally, you got to go. It will change your life. You will not see the world the same when you get back. And we want to help you have that kind of experience. We're working to identify additional partnerships globally that we can send to. Listen, if, if you, when we go to Honduras in a couple of weeks, we're staying in beach houses, y'all. I mean, it's not like we're staying in a hut. Now, you will work your tail off, right? But it's not hard. You just have to be willing to say yes. Now, I want to expand our, our global mission trips to go to more difficult areas so that we can continue to grow in this area. We want to be a part of starting new churches. We want to help start new churches in the United States, and we want to help start new churches across the globe. You know why that's important? Because new churches reach unreached peoples. And we must fuel. We have been blessed to, to have what we have. Let's be a blessing to other churches trying to launch up off the ground. Let's help them reach people with the gospel. We're working to increase communications with you, with each of our ministry partners. We're going to identify a space where you can find out all about each of our ministry partners. We have a ministry partner that's here in the room. The Kellys are going to be leaving us soon. They've been with us for a year. Go back to the mission field. These are actual faces of people that you support to do their work. And we want you to stay in touch with them long after they're left here. And we have countless others, missionaries, that we support. And we want you to stay connected with them. It is real easy, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's real easy to go off and, and feel like you're forgotten about. Listen, Trinity is not, will not forget you. And we will pray for you. And we will support you. And we're proud of you. 
we accomplished something incredible this year. We designated 10% of our total budget to go towards missions. We determined years ago that eventually we want to build up to where we are tithing our income and it goes specifically for missions. We've made it. Because of your generosity, we are there. And we are committed to that. And every dollar you give, 10% of it goes to missions. You are having an impact, not only locally, but globally. I am so fired up about what God is doing in and through Trinity Baptist Church. I want you to be a part of it. Because when you and I are a part of it, we have that sense of being a part of something that is far bigger than ourselves. Because we are. And here's another truth that drives me. There is a generation behind us that is looking to us. And we will one day pass the torch from us to the next generation of Christ followers. And what are we going to pass to them? I don't want to pass to them a country club. I want to pass to them a battleship that may have repairs that need to be done, but it's battle-tested, ready to go. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.